Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. So let's talk about the kind of the the combination of of types of businesses that you guys have, you know, had and and still have, you know, in your kind of portfolio. So yeah. you started with Shelf Genie. I think you mentioned earlier that some of the other options you guys looked at were also franchises like Shelf Genie is. Um, but then you've also, you currently have non-franchise businesses yeah. as well. So were, were you and Jeff very specific in the beginning that you wanted to start with a franchise or were you open yeah. and it just kind of happened that, that, a couple of franchises piqued your interest? So it's a great question. So if you saw me sitting in franchising class at at Babson, I was the, I walked out of that class. uh, I was like, there's no chance in hell I'm going to be owning a franchise. I would never let somebody tell me what I got to do, when I got to do, how much I have to pay them off of everything I do. Yeah. But never say never. Right. Because uh, I ended up owning two franchises, but, uh, it, it all depends. It all depends on if it's the right situation for you, right? Totally. Um, the shelf genie was the right time, right place, right type of structure for Jeff and I, because we were very engaged. We were begin launching the this phase of our career. Shelf genie was still very young. We were yeah. new into the system. We had a lot of influence with our backgrounds, and we helped shape a lot of the shelf genie things today. Like if you look at, if you look at the dashboard on shelf genie, countless nights and days, I remember working with the team there to say, no, this should be this. This should say this, this, no, you need this widget. You don't need that widget because this is important. This is not important. So, and you know, uh, and Jeff, of course, on the sales side and, um, and, uh, and, the, and the financial side of it, but that was very attractive to us. Yeah, we we like being engaged and enjoyed helping build something. Well, it's it's entrepreneurial. It's that same startup feel that yeah. attracted you to, uh, you know, helping build a new division at Capital One to the yeah. ShopLink, and yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people think of franchises the way you did when you were sitting in that class in college, where it's you know this very rigid you know, model where you have little to no autonomy as the owner. And many franchises are that way, right? Like go buy a McDonald's today and then try to innovate the business model. Good freaking luck. luck, (laughs) They've got it down to a science. All the innovation has been done. Like you probably don't have, unless you're a, you know, massively large multi-unit franchisee with thousands of locations, you probably don't have a lot of pool in terms of how things are done, but it does not have to be that way. You get in with a yeah, younger correct. emerging brand, they're looking to their franchisees to help them yeah. innovate and, you know, continue to help, you know, build the system. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the other thing I'll just mention there, cause, um, this is something I talk about with people so much when it comes to pros and cons of franchises, most people balk at the fees, you know, at first glance, right? Well, you know, why would I own a franchise when I got to pay these fees up front? I got to pay these ongoing fees. Again, it's very formulaic, right? You've got to understand, yes, what does it cost me to be a franchisee? But what am I getting in exchange for that? And, you know, Shelf Genie's evolved a lot over the years. But if we use that as an example, I would argue that especially when you guys got in, you were coming out net better even after the royalties than you would if you guys would have said, all right, we want to start Jeff and Rafi's custom pullout shelving company because they already had manufacturing, high quality custom product. Yeah, you're paying, you know, 7% or whatever back to them, but you're probably saving what 15 20% on your cost of goods you don't have you know a middleman that's that's yeah. marking product up and you don't uh, have to have the process you don't have to have a person deciding on it you know or all so, the time that it yeah. takes to to build that yeah. out right so anyways just just wanted to kind of point that out and and again I'll say on the flip side of that there's tons of franchises out there where you're you're definitely probably not coming out net better because you're a franchisee, right? The fees are eating you alive, so you got to do the research. But I think yeah, you got to do the research. You got to really understand the business. Yeah, uh, you got to really like McDonald's franchise works for some people, right? If they want to walk in and basically do all the script, it's not me. Like I'm not. Yeah. That's not me. I'm I'm. I'm a white space guy. I like to build stuff. I like to make things from nothing. That's my strength, you know? So, um, and so that, that, that worked. And Jeff's strength is he wants to put the numbers behind it and, and show and very good dynamic, like very easy to get caught in the weeds, even till today. Right. I'll step, I'll go forward for a second. Like a couple of times when we've had some issues with particular jobs in the closet, and we're like, we got to go back. We got to redo this. We got to redo that. And I'm, you know, from an operations perspective, I'm, I can't believe it. We're going to lose this money. And then Jeff will pull me aside and be like, look, even you going back, even your time, even the material, we're still making X on this job. He's like, so the margins are in there. So one out of 30, 40, 50 that had to go back for, it's okay. But on the average, that's why you got to know your numbers. Like if you said, what's one thing you can if you say, Ravi, give me two pieces of advice, I'd say, number one, you have to know your numbers and manage your business by the numbers. Number one, unequivocally, hands down, not even anything else. Yeah. Two, 100%. I would say, it is the decisions you make when times are excellent that is going to dictate how well you do when times are bad. And this mm. is a quote I learned at Capital One from the CEO of Capital One when when the whole online doc, um, online uh, financial uh, uh, turmoil was happening. And he got on and our, this Capital One stock was like eight bucks. And he's like, we're going to be fine because we made great decisions when times were great. You know, a lot of companies made really bold investments and when times are great, they leverage, they overextend and then times are bad now and they can't float it. Yeah, so, those not so great decisions catch up and and catch up, yeah, come back to bite them. But that's I like that a lot. I mean, hundred percent agree. Got to know your numbers, manage by the numbers, hundred percent. But 
I hadn't heard uh, that second point laid out that way before. Um, the decisions you make when times are excellent will dictate how things go when times are bad. Yeah. I like that a lot. Rich Fairbanks. I'll quote, quote Rich Fairbanks. Okay. Rich Fairbanks. <laughs> yeah. Current CEO, former CEO. I'm not sure if he's, he's, he's definitely, he started Capital One and he was a CEO for. Oh, so he's probably like chairman of the board or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, like that. definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, but, awesome. Yeah. So like, I, I talked to some kids at Babson about, you know, they're like, oh, how how'd you do that? How'd you do that? There's also a people factor. Being able to attract, uh, retain, train, develop people. That, that's would, a very important part of I would argue success. it's the hardest part of any the business. The hardest part, especially now. Especially now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because I, in, in, you know, my line of work these days, I'm coaching a lot of people through this process of possibly buying a franchise. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I, I hear, you know, someone that's been off researching a couple of franchises I've recommended to them come back like, Wes, I love this, this, and this about the business, but I think it's going to be really hard to find and keep good people. And I'm like, yeah, it will be, but it's not anything that's unique to that business it's any business out there i'm of the opinion that will be the hardest part of it um so learning that is is absolutely critical how 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 did you guys because you guys have done a good job with that and i know it hasn't been perfect you've had you know challenges but you know from what i've observed i would say you guys have done done a good job with that over time you know how how would you how would you say you and jeff have you know, developed your skill set, if you will, when it comes to finding and keeping good people? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question to get it. Um, couple things in that. One of them is our culture, right? We're a home improvement company, but we have a pretty cool culture. I think um, we have values. We post our values we interview during interview, we talk about our values at our, each of our year end and mid year evaluations, which are written up. Um, we talk about our values and we, we, especially me with the production guys, I tie everything back to the values, right? So one, it's easier for me to do that because then I say, Hey, it's my value. It's not me. The values are dictating Blame the values. It's not my yeah, fault. Not my but, <laughs> they were but smart. They'd be like, yeah, but who, who wrote the values? Yeah, wrote the values. But, <laughs> but, and that's something we learned at Capital One, by the way, uh, values. And then our values, I'll tell you what the number one, one is, is focused on customers. The second one is our culture and our team. The third one is feedback. We're an open feedback company. Again, that goes back to Capital One. And, um, it was very different for home improvement guys to walk into a place when they're expecting to get yelled at, screamed at, thrown a hammer at. Yeah. When somebody says, Hey, let's go inside. Here's a cup of coffee. Yeah. Let's talk about this situation, how we can make it better. First of all, it takes a couple of months because they're still not, they're like, when's he going to hate me? When's he hit me? You know yeah. Or, he, yeah. Or when's he going to screw me over and I'm not yeah, going to get my paycheck gonna, or when's it coming. Yeah. But, when it doesn't, and you you break that out of them a little bit after six months, eight months, a year, and a couple of situations happen, 
then you you get to the point where like they're like wow i do have a great job great paying job with a good company that cares about me that cares about my like to me one of the values is family first and mm -hmm. afterwards it says my family is no more important than your family right just wow. because like if you have to go take your daughter to school we'll figure out a way to get your daughter to school yeah. if you want like yeah. Couple installers come in late on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and that's huge because they want to drop their kids off yeah. at school. And to me, that's tremendously valuable, and they 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 take that. And or we shut down between Christmas and New Year's, and we pay the guys right. They say take the time back, spend it with your families, recharge, come back, do another good year. Um, you know, or we don't work Saturdays from day one. I told Jeff we're not going to do Saturdays. We're not going to install on Saturday unless there's a snowstorm or like we ha we messed up or something happened. Which Far for guys in, in that type of industry, that's not the norm, right? They're no. working Saturdays. They're probably got people asking them to work Sundays on a Correct. pretty regular basis. Yep. So I'm I'm curious because it sounds like you know you you guys learned a lot of this from capital one or at least the importance of having values well, the values and the culture and actually yeah. talking about them and living them not just it's a poster on a wall and, and nothing more than that so did you guys you know from the very beginning put a lot of this into practice i'm sure as the businesses have grown as the teams have grown you know it's evolved but because i i guess what i'm driving at is i think it's it's real easy as a as a new small business owner to, to sit here and listen to you talk about this and say, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Right. But right now it's me, my wife and one person. Yeah. Do we really need values? Do we really need, you know, a team meeting or, you know, it's, I think there's this tendency to be like, yeah, one day we'll do all of that. But right now we're too small. It doesn't make sense, yeah. but we all know like, it's much harder to go back and put imp implement things later, yep. you know, if it hasn't been kind of ingrained from the beginning. So I think in my opinion, it doesn't matter if you're one person team or two or three or 10 or 15, the found foundations and the fundamentals of the business are the fundamentals of the business, regardless of what you're doing. Right. You and your wife and that employee can have values and say, and in the values, that say we're going to take care of each other. We're going to take care of uh, whatever it is. And values are evolving, right? Because the once one stage in your in your company, you're not the same today, and you're not the same when you double the size or less the size. So yeah, those are always being reviewed and 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 evaluated. And when you get new people in, they come with new ideas because they're bringing stuff with them and stuff that we haven't thought about. I'm like, great, that, that's something to, we didn't put the values, like our values were on paper, but they were not as elaborate as they are now. But one of the values was family comes for customer first, family first and feedback. That was, that was, back then it was as simple as that. Now it's a little more elaborate under each one has more lines uh, on it. To me, it makes sense that, you know, naturally it would evolve like that. But I think the the big point is you guys started with something, yes. right? Yes. You didn't say, oh, we're not big enough for that yet. We'll do that later. So anybody who's starting out, it could be one person show. I would say business plan. It could be one page. It doesn't have to be this 15, 20 page. It could be one page. Here's what I'm doing. Who is, is my customer? Here's my marketing plan. Here's how much I think I'm going to make. 
right? Just, just the business plan, very, very straightforward, one or two pages. It's just like to get things off your head and put them on paper mm-hmm. is a pretty powerful uh, exercise to do. And Jeff always says, and even back at Capital One, like put it on paper, put it on paper, come back, put it on paper, come back. Because when you talk about it, it's great. But when you start writing it or typing it, it becomes real, right? It, 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 it's real. Definitely. And it also it also starts to make it more of a business, right? And now as you document more, as you have more actual systems and processes in place, no one person is is irreplaceable. Um I don't are you, do you know Bedros Kulian? Uh, he's Armenian. Uh yeah. he's the the founder and CEO of uh Fitbody Bootcamp. Uh he's got a book called Man Up. Uh, anyway, he's a big social media, you know, presence, but, you know, pretty accomplished business guy. But anyways, um, I was I was listening to his book not that long ago, and he's telling the story about how they built Fit Body Boot Camp. And it just it kind of made me laugh because he was talking about how they didn't do a good job of documenting anything in the beginning. And they they finally realized, hey, we should have been doing this all along. But they called it um, the I'm going to forget exactly what it was, but it was the the alien abduction handbook is what they called, you know, this manual that they were putting together because it was basically like, hey, if any one of us gets abducted by an alien, you know, someone needs to be able to jump in and figure out how to how to pick up the reins for that person. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Right. Jeff and I were talking about it the other day is like we we need to do a much better job of documenting it processes and procedures for our closet business. The shelf genie is pretty much done because it's helped out by the franchise carpet. We have a general manager there who did it. The yeah. closet yeah. business now it needs it. So we're at that point where we're going to have to spend some time this year to document, document all that. I mean, but it's, a, it's simpler than that to us though. I think like even a one man or two man or three man show, right. It could be, you should have a strategy, right? Yeah. You should yeah. have an actual document that says my strategy is X, Y, Z, right? Or, 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 and then have a time, I'm going to revisit the strategy in six months and 12 months. Or if you're more than one person, uh, we're going to have a quarterly strategy meeting. And that meeting could be like, hey, we're on track, right? Or we're not, what are we going to do? And what do we want to try? What are we not? So I think it's the discipline of actually doing those things and setting the calendar time and actually not being interrupted and, and distracted by other things and really focusing on, on, um, on the task at hand. I mean, Jeff and I, we're not perfect at it, uh, but we've done a pretty good job of it. I think over the years of uh, definitely every December we meet and reevaluate the entire year on multiple levels on tax and, and strategy of each vertical, each business for the following year, personnel, blah, 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 all that stuff. And then Q1, we do the same thing. Q3, we do the same thing. And then and then we have our one-offs where we, we meet, talk about, hey, are we in the right direction? Are margins correct? Uh, what, what do we think we should shift? So regardless of your size, I think having those disciplines in and deciding not to do it is, is okay. But having the discipline and having to say, okay, on January one, I'm going to have this meeting or I'm going to have this output and then renegotiating with yourself is fine. But the thought of doing that is important. I think. 
No, I, I agree. I think, you know, have some goals, right? Even if it's as simple as, hey, we want to build an 8 to $10 million home improvement business, right? Have something that you're working towards, right? Especially if there's more than one person involved, right? So at least, you know, you're both working in the same general direction, you know, have some values, document things. It doesn't have to be perfect. What you start with doesn't have to be what you end with, um, but have something versus just kind of winging it. And I know that sounds real common sense, but I mean, how many times have you and I both seen like just through shelf genie, how many people totally winging it? And that's in a franchise where a lot of it's already. Right. I mean, there's most businesses, Joe's is most business. We owned uh, my brothers and I owned a pizza shop before jumping into, and we do, even maybe during when I started, yeah, during when I started shelf genie, we owned the, we owned another business. And if you don't bring structure to it, like uh, my brother was running it, and I, I'd, I'd be all the numbers guy, right? I'm walking, I'm like, okay, what's our margin? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, well, you keep selling something. How do you know it's making you money? What if you're losing money at what you're selling? So you, you're thinking, great, I sold 50 of these, but you just lost 50 times the dollar. Yeah. That, that, we we sold twice as many pizzas as we did last night. Great, we lost twice as much money exactly. tonight as we did if, last if you night. Don't know, if you don't know, yeah, uh, and, and if you don't have the discipline to say, okay, I'm going to visit our margins every week, uh, especially in a business like that where your margins fluctuate because what you're buying things at fluctuate. Yeah. You can't change yeah. the price every week, right? Mm-hmm. But when the time comes to do it, you can you know, have more data to say, okay, I'm going to, instead of raising a quarter, I'm going to raise it 35%, uh, 35 cents, 39 cents to yeah. make sure yeah. that I, I you know, hedge for fluctuations in price. Yeah, it's all that's so important. I, I like I said, I know it sounds common sense, but it's worth it's worth kind of harping on that point because it it's so often doesn't. And I mean, we've we've been guilty of that. You know, I uh, put a podcast out not that long ago, kind of detailing you know our experience, Kelly and I, with a business partner plus an operating partner in this insulation franchise that we got into, and we did it for about three years, and it wasn't terrible right we didn't like lose a ton of money but we it didn't go nearly as well as we had hoped that it would either and uh you know a lot of reasons for that but lack of structure and lack of communication was a a big big part of it and that goes back to you know pretty much the the very inception of of that business so it's it's very important If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives 
and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I want to kind of come back to, you know, this conversation around to franchise or not to franchise, right? So you guys have at this point owned two different unique franchise companies, Shelf Genie and Cabinet Cures, which is cabinet refacing, right? Yeah. All right. And your closet business is New England closets. That's just you and Jeff. It's a dealership model. But yeah. essentially, all that is, is the the manufacturing and distribution yeah. side of it. Right. You guys, yeah. it's your brand. You've, you yeah. know, other than where you get the product from, you guys have kind of been responsible for building yeah. out every other yeah. phase of that business. And then the the carpet and flooring business was an acquisition correct yep. you guys purchased that from the original i guess founders and and owners so yeah to me this is this is really cool and and why i wanted to make sure we talk about it cuz like you guys have tried a little bit of everything when it comes to hey what's the best way to start a business i get asked this question all the time to me it's you know one of those loaded questions there's no one right answer I think you mentioned earlier with the franchise timing plays a big part in it. Uh, I think experience level plays a part in it. Like I, I can look back for Kelly and I and say, I'm glad our first, you know, real foray into business ownership was a franchise. Cause it just gave us the ability to run faster. Like we yeah. gained confidence. We gained financial resources. We gained so much in a short period of time because, you know, the, the, playbook was there for us all we had yep. to do was take the ball and run with it i have no doubt we could have figured it out and and done well had we just started something on our own but sure. i think we were able to jump probably damn near a decade ahead you know in like a two or three year period by by sure. doing that so talk to me a little bit about what that's been like from you and jeff's perspective um franchise dealership acquisition pros cons sure. all of that so we love Shelf Genie. We love Shelf Genie as it was when we got into it because of everything we talked about a little while ago. Um, we got into Cabinet Cures because that was two, two other the franchises, other Shelf Genie franchises were doing Cabinet Cures and we wanted to get into refacing, refinishing. And naturally to us, it's like, hey, more of us are doing the same thing. Let's do the same thing and get into it. That was a franchise, but it was not a really developed franchise and nothing like what Shelf Genie offers to its franchisees. So our experience from a franchise perspective was a little different with our with our cabinet cures business. 
Um, so, yeah. and then at that point we had decided that we want to get into closets, but we don't want to do it under another franchise model. We knew, we knew definitely that it's not going to be a franchise model. Cause there's and, plenty of closet franchises out there. Correct. There are. And we just didn't want to do it that way. We wanted to, we wanted to go in independent and we did it. Uh, we had to find the right partner for the manufacturer. We went through several, like a year of R and D you want to call it. And yeah. until yeah. we found the right, right source for us and which worked out pretty well for us um, in Philadelphia. And it kind of killed two birds with one stone because we were running the shelf chain in Philadelphia territory. And these guys are our manufacturer for closets in Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. So it kind of, Whenever we went down to meet the Fischelchini team, we we met with these guys too. So it kind of killed two birds with one stone. It was it was it was pretty good. Um, that makes sense. Completely different dynamic starting something on your own. I mean, to the point where what's your logo, right? Like yeah, What color is your logo? What does your logo say? What's the tagline? What's your business card look like? <laughs> you know. What's your truck wrap look like? Uh, you know, it, it, and just countless and countless and countless. Even like, what CRM system are we going to use? How are we going to deliver? How are we gonna, exactly. Like, that exactly. stuff's pretty turnkey in a franchise, and I'm not arguing franchise over dealership. And I, I've said this many times on this podcast. Like, I'm not just because I'm so ingrained in franchising right now in my work. I'm not ever saying that a franchise is the only way to go or the best way to go. Yeah. hundred percent. So many variables involved, but you know, one of the things when people look at the initial fees you pay to get into a franchise, they think that's just like a sunk cost when it's in reality. I mean, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure Jeff, you know, could pull up a spreadsheet somewhere to look at like everything you spent, on the closet business just to get to the point of being ready to start operating. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would bet it's pretty darn close to it's, it's, it's I don't know about it, it's close. If you, if you look at geographically, like if yeah. you strip away some of the stuff, right. you didn't have to buy the entire shelf genie territory. You could have started a smaller, yeah. then, yeah. then, then yes, yes. It, it, there's a lot of hidden. Now, the point is though, if I didn't, if we didn't have the shelf genie and the cabinet cures franchise, we wouldn't know what, what is good or what is bad on the dealership part. Right. Yeah. So we wouldn't know what to look for, or, or we, we wouldn't know the red flags like, Hey, this doesn't sound right. Or we already knew what a good CRM looked like. Right. We already know. And we already know what not having a CRM looks like. So yeah. or from a marketing perspective or from a cost perspective or fees, but we knew what the margins had to be. I'll give you a perfect example, right? Shelf Genie has closets, right? Now. Now. Yeah. We can't see us running closets with, with the same margins as we do. Uh, if we yeah, you probably yeah, I'm sure you can. The margins um, are different, so th th there's a whole there's I'm a sure whole different margin thing because we're direct. Yes, there's a lot more heartache that I got to do. I got to figure everything out: the shirt, the color of the shirt, the brand of the shirt, where the logo goes, what the logo looks like. But um, you know, again, going back to my point is. It's the stuff that you learned from yeah. what's good about and what's bad about franchises. Then you take and pick from and say, hey, let me mold my company this way. 
Well, not only that, but also like, you know, now fast forward, you know, what, eight, nine years, however long you guys have had the the closet business, you've done the heavy lifting in terms yeah. of laying that foundation. So now day to day, it's probably no different than running your shelf genie business, but you don't have the negatives that come with a franchise yeah. in terms of royalties yeah. and you know correct things of that nature right so it's like tape now and some of that stuff yeah yeah there's a short term maybe uh you know sacrifice because you yeah. are putting in more work and figuring more yeah. out but maybe more long-term benefit once you're successful and yeah, you, so yeah to me it's one of those things that comes back it's it's so it's just it's not even a fair question to say like oh is a franchise better than a dealership it's all based on the individual, their experience, where they're at, Correct. what they're looking yeah. to get out of it. There's, 100%. there's so many variables. The situation, the macroeconomic environment, like the type of business, the industry, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a, like, for example, right. I would not go into a flooring franchise because that was one of the opportunities we had. I, I much rather do what we're doing now and have more control of what we're doing versus, versus the flooring franchise. And, and just to segue into why we bought um, the carpet and flooring store, because it's not like one morning I woke up and said, huh, I want to get into carpet and flooring. It's actually, no, I don't. That's not a very appealing business from a, if you're not into it. However, if you, again, if you peel back the layers, we knew we wanted to get out of refacing, refinishing, because it was a very tasking, demanding business the way we did it, right? Uh, the way we did it was very tasking and demanding. However, once we got out of that business, we wanted to make sure we uh, replenish our income and our revenue. So before we completely gave that up or shut it down or sold it or whatever we were going to do with it, we had to figure out another way. And Jeff, Jeff's great and he's he has a lot of screen time, computer time. He's always thinking six months, a year, a year and a half ahead. Where are we go? How, what are we going to do today yeah. to make sure that we hit our eight to 10 million in, in, in two years from now? Right. Yeah. So, because yeah. that decision has to be done today. Right? It's got to be done today because, but you know, you're, you know, better than anybody else. If you say, I want to buy or get into a business, you're two years away. Year yeah. And a half away. Yep. Unless you get lucky. So, so same yes. thing if you want to sell a business, right? If like, you want to sell it and if you may not even be able to sell it. So uh, we found this guy and a lot of things were lined up and he was in business for 30 years, had a really nice niche floor carpet and flooring business, did zero dollars in marketing and did over a million dollars in business. So it was all repeats, all repeats, all repeats, all uh, referrals. Uh, but it was a family business. So, you know, you're going to get, take a hit because once he leaves his wife's leave, his wife's leave, then people are not going to be as loyal to us. But we went in there with saying, Hey, the customer base is the same, right? They're grinning carpets and flooring and things like that for their home. And their home looks like the same home. We do closets and we do, uh, we do shelf genie in. And it's in a really nice affluent area where shelf genie does very well at and closets does very well at. And by the way, they have a really nice third of the showroom that can be a beautiful, beautiful closet and shelf genie showroom. That was the vision when we got into it. 
And we executed on that. And that was an appealing, no, you know, the carpet business is a t- much tougher business, right? It's got a physical location. You're, yeah. you're, you're open and close hours. You have to spend hours. You have to have retail uh, counter associates because people walk in, they can walk in six of them at a time. They can walk in one at a time. So you have to be ready to, to it's a different business, hundred percent different business. Very different. It's not appointment based. It's, yeah. it's more retail. Yeah. So that was the appealing part to us. It wasn't like, oh, wow, flooring, carpet. But the appealing part was, I think we can leverage our existing customer base to cross-sell products too. I think we can attract new people to come to the store for either any of the products. And I think we have a more compelling value proposition if we decide to hire a business development manager to say, hey, I would like you to go and just knock on every 55 plus community development and just knock on the say, I have three product lines. I know you need carpets. I know you need flooring. I know you need shelf, you can use shelf genie and I know you can use closets. So, and if you have the right person knocking on the right doors, yeah, you should yeah. Really generate a tremendous amount of business with the three product lines. And once someone's done business with you for one of those product lines and had a good experience, they may not need all th- all three things from you at the same time, but they're coming back to you the next time they need one of the Correct. product lines. They're yep. telling their friends about you. So to me, it's 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 interesting to you know hear you talk about why why you guys kind of wanted to to go in this direction, complementary products, the advantages of that, and then that you've actually been able to execute on it because. It's one thing to have the ideas and the vision, right? Totally another thing to to yeah. execute on it. So I, I guess what I want to know, like what have been the biggest surprises and challenges to actually execute? And and I'm sure, you know, plenty of room to get better. The 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 flooring business you guys acquired, what, 2020? So you're still relatively early you know, into that compared to how long you've had your other businesses. So but like what, what have been some of the more surprising aspects of making that vision become a reality? So I look at it and I, we look at the businesses as completely separate verticals because they're all different. They're all different yeah. marketing. And like, so shelf genie surprising was uh, in our pro forma 13, 14 years ago, the vision was that today we'd be a two to $3 million a year shelf uh, producing company that was doing 50, 60% referrals and, uh, and, and repeats. I mean, I'm sure it's that's similar to you guys too. Uh, but that's one thing, the surprising and the drawback and, and the cost of marketing yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of that business is, is still surprising to us. Um, generating new leads, new sources of leads. Um, so that's, that's one. Um, for the, the carpet, uh, store, the, su- nothing majorly surprising, but I think the challenging thing was we're a year, 16, so seven years into it. We don't have a CRM system, believe it or not. The, my big project for this year is to have a CRM system for that, for that business. We are on, you know, we have a, so we have a CRM system, but we don't really use it that much. We only use it to put leads in, but there's, there's no talking back end front and inventory. So the big goal is because we're big boys now for us, we have to transition to 
a more um, a better way of tracking everything. And to be honest with you, if we're building this business to one day be attractive to somebody to come in and buy us, we have to have all of our ducks in a row. And that takes yeah. three years to, to, to actually do it, implement it, and get it in. Um, and the other one for the uh, for, for the for the for the closet business has been, I think growing that has not been a that's just the lever. I think because there's enough leads and enough enough demand out there. Uh, yeah. Finding help, finding people, and finding help is the bigger challenge for that business. Uh, good, good, solid help. So then, bring it all together. Has there been, has there been any challenges that you didn't anticipate when it comes to, you know, actually leveraging the fact that all of these businesses have a a similar client base, right? And have you been able to actually? you know, execute on cross training, you know, employees to work yeah. across multiple businesses. Like has some of that start to started to play out or has that been more challenging than you guys anticipated? Like, what does that part of it kind of look like? So the, the, I'm going to answer that in a couple of ways. Cause it's a little different. So from the beginning, Jeff and I made a decision that we are not going to cross individuals between businesses they can help okay. each other okay because we wanted to say somebody calls us for shelf genie we want to give them the shelf genie experience we want to give them all shelf genie everything shelf genie closet same thing carpet same thing um, that makes sense to me uh but that doesn't mean that once in a while more on the production side if right if behind the scenes behind the scenes hey can you go help this guy out? but it wasn't like shelf genie guys are also installing half the time closets or closets guys installing and i think i think the way i'm approaching it is proper because they're really good at their tasks like they yeah are, more the second efficient you start, second you start crossing them is it we think the thing that has worked so we haven't done a lot of the, the crossing the thing that has worked is although our carpet business hasn't we're disappointed in its results in 2023 because in 21, so in 20, we bought it. 21, we kind of like dabbled in it, learn it. 22 was a big learn year, uh, change year for us, put systems in, higher management, uh, infrastructure, people, and showroom. We redid all that. And 23 was going to be, okay, bam, we're going to 10, 15, 20% growth. We actually stayed flat. So, and we kind of know why we, we, we did that. So we're, kind of on it now we're going to think but the, the beauty of the carpet store is now that we put the closet and shelf genie showroom in it it changed everything for us one it made us a more uh um what's the right word tangible uh, tangible number yeah. one reputable Number yeah. two, to, to, yeah. to potential designers who want to work with us as employees, mm -hmm. potential designers that want to offer our products to their clients and clients that are coming in. You're like, hey, come to the showroom. A client that envisioned only white closet with just bare minimums that walks into that showroom. Now they're like, oh, I can have this. <laughs> oh, wow. I can have that. I can have that. I can have this. And and it's it's getting them to start visualizing and think, oh, I can have a mudroom, I can have a TV set, I can do this, I can do that in my house. So yeah. it has brought us a lot of credibility and a lot of 
um, clout, a lot of drive-by business. And that's why exactly what we're doing in this, in this Woburn location is we're going to, we're putting a showroom in, in the front. We're taking our old uh, cabinet cures and uh, our uh, shelf chain showroom and making that a closet showroom. So that has been the beauty of it because we yeah. generated probably, and to us, Jeff and I had said, if we can generate a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of closet business through just walk-ins at the, at the carpet store, yeah. even if the carpet store doesn't do tremendously well, it generated all that business for zero dollars in marketing, you know? So yeah, it's massive. So I don't know if, if that kind of. No, it does. It's, it's interesting. And I think you bring up a, a good point. I mean, several good points, but you know, I, I tend to, I think three years ago, I would have not necessarily agreed in not cross training employees. Cause if you're just kind of thinking about it, right. What I call, you know, boardroom strategy, it makes a lot of sense. Right. But in the real world executing, cause like, you know, we had an insulation, like we had some strategic reasons for getting into the insulation business we didn't just pull that out of thin air you know there was some in our eyes some synergy you know with shelf genie and some of that you know proved out right like we work with yeah. some very high-end custom home builders now via shelf genie and and for our closet side of shelf genie that we got into because we were doing spray foam insulation for them right and yeah. that was the synergy that we kind of saw between those two businesses, but no way in hell am I sending one of my insulation guys to install a closet yeah. one day. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, there's a little warehouse. Little they'd help each other out with some yeah. stuff, you know, like, Hey, we got a delivery coming. Can you help yeah. unload, you know, pallets, or, that sort of or, thing. But. Or my, one of my uh, shelf, uh, closet installers used to be a shelf genie installer. So if there's a, if, if it is a closet job that has a shelf genie component, he's getting that right. So it's, I'm not going to break that up. Or if, or if my shelf genie installer has a job with the closet, he's going to get that. He knows how to install it. But when you put them in and it's a day to day, 50, 50, it just, I think, which truck are they taking? Are they taking the, cause they, they have the, it's just, it becomes messy in my head and it's been working for us for now. So We'll probably stick with it the way we're doing it um, until we until it doesn't work. Yeah, no, I think it's smart, um, man. You know, I could sit here and talk about this type of stuff with you for forever, but you've been very generous with your time already, and and I have no doubt that you know anyone who listens to this, whether they're you know thinking about starting a, their own business at some point, whether they're already in business for themselves ton of takeaways that that they're going to get from it you know as we as we wrap this up um sure. you know what advice would you give to you know the person that's kind of thought about business ownership and for whatever reason they just they're they're stuck you know uh maybe it's maybe it's fear right maybe it's fear of failure fear of the unknown fear of putting themselves out there you know, maybe it's they don't feel like they have enough experience or, or enough capital yet. You know, what what advice would you give, you know, to someone that's kind of in that position right now? You can get capital. We live in America. You can figure out how to get capital. I mean, look at my story. Look at look at look at how I made it. You can figure out how to get capital. Uh Jeff and I found a creative way to to take all of our 401k money and turn it into an ERSOP and have the and have the ERSOP buy shares in our company. So I could 
without taking a penalty. We, we did that. So I'm not as concerned about capital when I, if I'm if I'm doing it, even though it's it's a big monumental ask, but it's there. It, uh, there's ways to solve that. I think the most important thing is, in my opinion, um, find something you can rally behind and be passionate about, right? Because I think that's very important to get up in the morning every day to have the energy and the, 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 with it all to go out there, hit it again. If you don't like what you're the product or the service that you're selling, it's not, you're going to choose not, you're going to find excuses and reasons not to do that. Exercise. Yeah. It, it makes it easier to bell when things yeah. get tough. If you're not really behind whatever it is you're doing, because yeah. there will be, and I have this book, sitting here where you can see it for a reason. I've kind of got that in the way right now, but the entrepreneur roller coaster, you know, yeah, I think oh, it's yeah. a, a must read for any, any business owner, but it's a roller coaster, man. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, hopefully a lot of ups, but there will definitely be some downs. And yeah, if you're not, if you're not really you excited about some interest. Number two, you got to do your homework. And that homework means you gotta, you have to talk to people. In that yeah. business, outside that business, right along. And you'll be surprised how many people in your network will be willing to offer their time to 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 share with you, show you if you ask. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've I've still to this day blown away with how generous. I mean, look at you spending, yeah. you know, almost two hours with me today. You know, we talked for an hour and a half a couple of weeks ago, just, you know, kind of planning for this. Right. I mean people will open up and and be willing yeah. to help. But, you know, I think that's another good point that, that you kind of touched on there, which is, yes, you want to find something that you're passionate about, but you got to do the research too and make sure that yes. thing you're passionate about can actually yeah. be a profitable business. Like yeah. don't so just go do it because you're passionate yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. Like I'm passionate about getting, you know, shoulder massages for my yeah. wife, but like, I don't think that's going to be, the next Correct. great business opportunity that, for me, right? That's my second <laughs> bullet under do your homework, right? Is yeah. do your homework. It's like make sure you understand the numbers, right? Yeah. That's that's that you gotta understand the numbers. Yeah. And you gotta again be afraid not to be afraid to ask questions to people. And and when you get into a business or if you're thinking about it's okay to surround yourself with advisors, yes, and yes. peers and people who are more experts. Uh, than you are at something, right? It, it, that you don't have to do everything by yourself. It's very easy to outsource some things that are non, either you're not passionate about or 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 they don't appeal to you or you're not great at. It's okay to uh, outsource some of those things to get some help from other people. It's good to have a board of advisors, right? It's good to have a board of advisors to go once every two months to say, hey, I'm, I'm, we have one, Jeff and I have one. We have a private equity guy who was a, their friend Bob and he's been so gracious with his time to us over the years and we, we always cross check hey are we on the right path yep or and eh, would you be careful of that so it, it, it's very important to have people like that around you and what we talked about before is have your check-ins mental check-ins like if you do get into the business okay every month I'm going to check the numbers every month I'm going to do this and then I'm going to make decisions on it so it's discipline a lot of discipline uh and a lot of that comes from again who you are and and what you're doing 
Like if you're mm-hmm. doing something exciting, yeah. then you're going to be so excited, motivated to do that thing. But if you're completely just doing it, I'll give you an example. My cousin uh, wanted to get into uh, uh, business uh, ownership franchise or not. And he, he called me one day. He's like, I got, I got this opportunity. I think I'm going to get into it. I go, what is it? It's X, Y, and Z. And he's like, I'm really good at marketing analysis. And if I can get into, I don't really like, or, or accounting. I think they're deficient in accounting. If I can go do the accounting, then I can make more money. I'm like, dude, but are you passionate about accounting? He goes, no. I'm like, then don't do it. I go, you'll be miserable within six months. Within six months. (laughs) And then you're going to be like, naturally you're not going to make money because you're not going to make the right decisions. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I think that's really, really sound advice. And, you know, I think you, your story is a really good example of that. Cause I, I tell people this all the time. Right. Because I think sometimes we overthink things and and we get paralysis by analysis. Right. And the the first business you get into, whether it's a franchise, whether it's a dealership, whether you acquire something, start it from scratch, whatever, doesn't have to be the the last business that you start, does not have to be the only business that you get into. And kind of like I shared with Kelly and I, like I'm so fortunate we pulled the trigger on shelf genie when we did, you know, we had a million reasons not to. Right. But yeah. it, it gave us some momentum, right. It hasn't been perfect. Uh, it's been really, really good for us, but certainly hasn't been perfect, but it gave us some momentum. And I think that, you know, that can help with, you know, starting to bring in money that can, for us, it helped with yeah, confidence, course. right? Like do we, we have a lot of confidence in ourselves largely because of the success we've had with with and i think you nailed it on the head the last point is at some point there's so much you can dip your toe into the water you gotta jump in at some point and you gotta you you lose confidence if you if you get up to the line but then you come back and then you get up to the line again and then you come back like at some point you're gonna start losing confidence and it it actually gets harder and harder Wes, one thing that I'll, I'll, the last thing I say, I know I've taken a lot of time, but one mind shift shift that I did in four or five years ago, and I think I've even shared this with you, like outside of here, I started looking at things as opportunities versus things as negative. Again, if I go back to Capital One, when we had our performance evaluations, there was no weaknesses on it. It wasn't positives strengths and weaknesses it was strengths and opportunities right that literally that's how it was so that mindset i i five six years ago when we were having really downtime with cabinet cares a lot of stuff was happening um i uh i kind of had to shift my mentality because i was i was sinking mentally because if i was sink mentally then the ship is going to go yeah so i had to switch and look at the positives and everything and uh paralysis by analysis you said right mm-hmm. one of the shifts that i made was before whenever i used to look at resumes i would look for reasons not to hire somebody oh he's he's too far he doesn't drive blah, blah, blah. now when we look at resumes we look for reasons to hire somebody right let's find the one reason to hire somebody or one reason to get into this business one reason to call this customer or they because then you never know that opportunity can lead into something much bigger because Otherwise, you would have just put that piece of paper on the left side as a no. That's gold. That's gold. That's such a such a good like if if someone just catches that 
from <laughs> from everything we've talked about today like that's that's huge value right there not that everything else that that you yeah, shared is sure. not also valuable but that's that's and I don't think I don't know that I've ever really stopped and thought about that clearly the the biggest mindset shift I've ever made and I've said this you know numerous times on the podcast is learning how to fear regret more than I fear failure that that was massive for me yeah. right like you know nine times out of ten and, and kind of go back to your story right what we're talking about here, living in America, starting businesses, you know, maybe losing some money, maybe not making as much money as we wanted to make. Like, it's not life and death, right? What you grew up going through was life and death. What you overcame when you and your family moved here, essentially started over in a new country, learned the language, lost your father. I mean, all of that, like, that's real life. That's hard hard stuff right yeah gives you some perspective that this is i'm not saying it's yeah. not serious but it's not the most serious thing correct and uh, it, it's funny uh, we tie it with what we started with what in my childhood has made me like it's all solved the stuff's solvable right exactly so, uh, like yeah it's, it's all I think that's, that's what i was going at is like nine times out of ten your failure you can get back to where you were, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you you lose your life, like you can't come back from that, right? But right. we're not really talking about life and death stuff here. And I'm not saying, you know, to your point, like do your research, like don't blindly throw money into something. It's none of no, that, no, no. but it's just, you know, redefine what failure is and then also realize that you know we all have this very finite amount of time and i mean how often do you hear stories of people on their 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 deathbed or you know final thoughts before they leave this world and they're talking about the things they wish they would have done 100%. or done more of right yep. um so anyways Rafi, you're the man. I love you dude. Thank you Thanks for so uh taking the time to do this. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I know everyone who listens will. For those listening in uh, the New England area, where can they learn more about your businesses? So Shelf Genie is you look you you, you get shelfgenie.com, uh, Massachusetts, NewEnglandCloses.com, and CarperCarousel.com. Cool. Um, so those are the three businesses. And if anybody wants to reach out to me personally, they can feel free to do so. All right. We'll put links in the show notes so everyone can uh, find that. But Rafi, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.